I want to talk today about the conclusive demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I chose this title because many of you are coming from a, a different traditions in the church. And we all have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our life. Many of us have apprehensions about the Holy Spirit, about giving language to what we've experienced in our relationship to Jesus. I remember as a young Christian, when I was 10 years old, I gave my heart to, to Christ Jesus, and I was baptized in water. And then seven years later, I had another baptism experience, and that was a baptism of fire and repentance as a teenager in a youth camp. And I was totally changed again. And I want to say that as you walk with Jesus, your life can be uh, a place where the Holy Spirit can come at any time He chooses to empower you to do greater things for His glory. So I'm going to try to stay away from uh, charismatic language, Pentecostal language, uh, evangelical language, fundamentalist language, Anglican language, Methodism language, I can go on and on and on. Uh, I, I, my wife and I attend a Pentecostal church now, and we try to stay away from uh, every type of language that people would come in to, to understand the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to talk about the Bible language of the Holy Spirit to just let you know that the Holy Spirit wants to come in your life to empower you to do the works of Jesus wherever you go. He wants to come to restore your relationships. He wants to come to restore your uh, workplace environment. He wants to uh, re restore the land. He wants to make Morris a place where people will be uh, multiplying. I mean, when I was in college, when I received uh, another experience in the Holy Spirit, I received what I would call a baptism of love. I don't know if you've ever experienced love, but if you haven't, it's a good thing. See, a lot of Christians, we, we don't love properly. If you ever, if you ever turn on the, uh, the news media and you watch TV, Christians are not seen as loving people. And that's, that's just a far cry from what Jesus was about. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said he likes our Christ, but he doesn't like our Christians because we don't live in the same type of love that Jesus lived in. And why? Because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to love through us. And I want to give you some biblical evidence this morning of a conclusive demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I know people talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they use the word, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit, brother? Are you baptized with the Holy Spirit, brother or sister? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? So you're using all those adjectives, in, of, with, all those prepositions, I believe is what, uh, prepositions, thank you, honey. Prep, that's my wife, Sharon, by the way. But I want to I talk about four areas in your life that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you like to know what those four things are? So would I. We're going to turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy. You know, we live in a digital age, and if you're like me, you're, when you're in your 60s, you, you don't know uh, a lot of things about technology that your children do. 
And one of the things I learned this morning uh, when I went on the web, I found out that you, you have a three-and-a-half-inch smartphone, and you can download all, all kinds of things on there. But the thing is, is what you're downloading really authentic? You don't know if it's fake or the real thing. And teenagers get into a lot of trouble because they get online and they have these phones. I mean, I work in an elementary school, and there are first graders that have cell phones in our school, which is beyond my understanding of why you would give a child in the first grade. And maybe your child has a phone. I'm sorry if I offend you. But first grade, having a cell phone, you don't know what you're looking at. Well, you know, that's the way people are about the Holy Spirit. They have a preconceived idea of who He is. They have this image. You know, you can Photoshop anything online, but you can't Photoshop the true presence of the Holy Spirit. There are certain uh, conclusion and evidences from the Scripture to know whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian, Romans 8 9, I don't think it's on my sheet, but Romans 8 9 says that you can't be a Christian unless you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The question is, is the Holy Spirit controlling your life? And we're going to talk about that fire this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And you can follow along with me on the screen. And if you have what I, what I call the, the fake Bible on your app, <laughs> it's good. It's all good. It's all the Word. You know, you can, as a preacher, you can get an app that's got all the Greek and Hebrew words on it. You can preach from an, a smartphone. Just hold it up and just preach, preach away. But I'm going to read from, a, uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, the New American Standard Bible. I think it's behind me. Yes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. I long to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that's in you as well. For this reason, I want you to notice this verse right here. This is where I'm going to be most of the morning. These, these first two, uh, I'm sorry, these first, verse 6 and verse 7. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and, and discipline. That word there is, is self-control. I want you to notice in verse 6 and 7 what, what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. He's saying that he needs to fan the flame of the gift of God that's within him. And that God did not give him a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. If you want to know the evidences of whether you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, that verse says to me, He's given us not a spirit of fear. If you're walking in the Holy Spirit, number one, you're going to have fearlessness. If you're taking notes, fearlessness. Number two, you're going to have power in your life. 
Number three, you're going to walk in love. And number four, you're going to have self-control. Pretty simple, isn't it? If you have those four things working in your life, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you've spoken in tongues for 35 years. If you hate your neighbor, you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't speak in tongues and you hate your neighbor, you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian and you, don't, and you hate your neighbor, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and get to know Jesus. See, one of the things that's always offended me in, in the Christian circles is when I meet a brother or sister that disagrees with me theologically. Any of you all have that happen to you? When I was a church planter in Pueblo, Colorado, I met with a Southern Baptist, bless their hearts, out in Colorado. I'm not sure what they believe. But he found out that I believed in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We were eating a hamburger, I think, in a restaurant. When he found out that I had uh, experienced some healing in my own life and some, some miracles, and I believed in, in prophecy and also in the gift of tongues, he said, well, brother, we're not going to be able to have lunch anymore. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, you believe in the gifts that have stopped. And I said, well, you know, I still believe that Jesus died on the cross and that after three days He was raised from the dead and He lives and is seated at the right hand of God and He lives in my spirit and I'm one with Him and I love you, brother. I'm sorry, that doesn't count because you speak in tongues. So that's why even, even the whole denominations leave people out because they say that the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you have the sign gift of speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not going to go there this morning because that's a divisive gift and you're a new church and we don't want a bunch of people to leave this morning. But what I'm telling you is the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. You see? You don't have to run around telling everybody, bless, bless God, I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, brother, are you? No, you just tell them about Jesus. Listen, listen what Jesus did for my marriage. My marriage was on the rocks and Jesus healed my marriage. Look what Jesus did to my children. My children were drug addicts. And my goodness, He came on them and revealed Himself to them and now they're not taking drugs. You know, who cares if they speak in tongues if they get off drugs? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, I, I'm trying to make a point. I love tongues. And tongues, I believe, are from the Lord. But you don't, you don't walk up to people at work and start speaking in a prayer language. Even when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, you may do it privately before you go to speak to that neighbor or that friend at work. But Paul had to tell Timothy some things about the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he told him about was in verse 7. He said, you are filled not with a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Now, that's not the best translation. But the first thing you know if you're looking at a demonstration of the Holy Spirit is that you're fearless. Say fearless with me. Fearless. Say, I am fearless. All right. Well, you look fearless. And you can go out of here fearless. But you know, the thing about fear in this text, it's a, it's a Greek word that, that means cowardice. 
It's the only time it's used in this passage. And it's used a lot of other times with the word phobos. P-H-O-B-O-S. We, we get the word phobia from that, okay? And I looked online and I saw about 168 different types of phobia. Phobia of public speaking, the phobia of spiders, the phobia of going to the marketplace. I mean, there's so many, many of them. We, we live in this culture with a spirit of fear. It's on the news. It's everywhere. But Paul said to Timothy, son, you don't have to fear. Now, he's not saying to Timothy, well, uh, son, you're a coward. He's saying you don't have to live like a coward because you're not a coward. You're filled with the very presence of God. See, when you know that you're filled with the presence of God, cowardice goes away. Now, cowardice does not uh, mean just courage. See, you can be fearful and have courage. I just got promoted on my job, and one of the things that I had to learn how to do was become an electrician because I have to change ballasts. Okay, at 61 years of age, never working with electricity in your entire life, and being asked to change a ballast, that was a little intimidating. Well, they, they, they took me through three hours of training with a young man that was standing next to me that was 22 years old. And I said, son, I'm glad you don't have to wait 40 years to learn how to do this. And so they sent me on my way to change a light. And the reason they sent me to training was I'm a very uh, adventuresome kind of person, so I tried to do it without the training. And I fell off of an eight-foot ladder onto my back, landed against the wall because I touched the wrong wires, okay? Well, that's maybe stupidity but in that case, but that's what I'm trying to illustrate. That's, that's courage. I was scared to death standing on that ladder. I mean, there's a black wire and a white wire, and you don't put two black wires together. Isn't that right, honey? You don't put them together because... The electricity and the power is going to knock you off a ladder. Well, you'd think I went through the training and got better. Well, I did it again. But this time I was under control. I hit the, thing, I hit the switch and I went, oh, there it goes again. And I just jumped off the ladder. That's an illustration of courage, okay? Martin Luther, when he wrote the 95 Thesis on the Wall, he was filled with courage, but he was, had a lot of anxiety because he came up with a doctrine called the just shall live by faith in front of all his Catholic brothers, and they wanted to stone him and to kill him. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about fearlessness where there is no fear. When you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be no fear. Now, in reality, it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, we wish we could be fearless 24-7. But what happens is we become in, in, encumbered with the, the, what Proverbs calls in, in Proverbs 29-25, the fear of man. You see, the fear of man proves to be a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You see, if you've ever... Uh, watched what a snare is when you're walking through the woods and you see a bunch of leaves and trees uh, and then you see a, a, a bait, something that's there for an, for an animal to get and they're trying to catch that animal. Underneath that, uh, that brush is a 20-foot ditch so that you can be trapped and fall down into the ditch. Well, that's what the enemy does. 
He traps us with the fear of man, the fear of disapproval. You're worried about what other people think. What happens if I mention Jesus at my workplace? What happens if I pray for somebody at my workplace? And you're not walking in in the spirit that God gave you. Now, I know that there are uh, wisdom words. There's a gift of the spirit called the word of wisdom. There's a gift of the spirit called the word of knowledge. There's a gift of the spirit called prophecy. And there is a time and a place for you to share the message, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ at your work. But knowing also that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You see, when you're walking in fearlessness, you're not concerned about suffering persecution. You're not concerned about whether you're going to be fired or not. You're going to be listening to the voice of God because Jesus only listened to what he heard his father saying. John chapter 5, 19 says he only did what he saw the father doing. Jesus walked in the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, in the book of John, I don't have this uh, on my notes, but in the book of John, the Scripture says that Jesus was baptized in water and the Spirit came on Him like a dove and remained on Him. If you study that word out, if I could, if I could just look at each of you and, and see a white dove on your shoulder and you, you gingerly walked out and each of you had that dove on your shoulder... And you can, can I take this off of this for a minute, my brother? Thank you very much. I, I feel it. There we go. I'm, I'm just going to hold it if that's okay. When you're when you're walking, and here's the dove of the Holy Spirit, and He's remaining on you. But then you start these thoughts come in your mind. Well, what are they going to think if I tell them about Jesus? What's my neighbor going to think? You know, I have a neighbor that's a Church of Christ brother, and he has some really dogmatic beliefs. But I'm not afraid to share with him what I really, truly think and what I believe. Because I'm trying to be more fearless. You know what I'm saying? Paul said to Timothy, you don't have a spirit of fear, but you have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So the first thing you need to know this morning is that it's fearless. And that fearlessness comes and goes. But I like this uh, verse uh, have you got Luke eleven eleven through thirteen? It's Luke eleven eleven through thirteen. Here we go. This is a story. Yes. Now suppose one of you fathers asked by his son for a fish, he will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg. He will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Listen, fathers in this room, how many fathers do we have in this room? You're going to give your son a scorpion for breakfast? If you say you're going to give him an egg, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, guess what? You'll get the Holy Spirit. You won't get a counterfeit spirit. You're talking to the Father who you have a relationship with. He's not going to give you another spirit. He's not going to give you a spirit of fear. He's going to give you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So what's the second word? What's the second characteristic of being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit? Not only is there fearlessness, good, power, power. 
power is what Jesus promised to the disciples at Pentecost. Paul's telling his son Timothy, Timothy, my son, you have this power available to you. Now that word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite, dynamic, available to you. The power is God's, here it is, creative, disheveling, supernatural, miraculous strength to noticeably change something. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You have the ability as a believer to supernaturally, with miraculous strength, notably, noticeably change something wherever you are. You know, when you go to the, your workplace, you're noticeably changing everything around you because you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I know that for a fact with me. I change things wherever I go, and I'm not bragging about that. I'm boasting in Jesus. When you walk into a room, things change. Because you're filled with the blessed Holy Spirit of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lives inside of you wherever you go. It doesn't matter if you're at the grocery store. You're talking to the cashier. You're playing with your kids at home. The power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. Well, Rob, I'm afraid of what the Holy Spirit may do. What if I act kind of crazy? Listen, if you've ever, if you've ever been in a meeting where the power of God shows up, Things happen that look kind of crazy. But God, God is wanting us to walk in power. You, you see, Christians that don't walk in power are useless to the Father. See, power is what makes us, makes us good in, in, in our ability to witness and change the world. You see, in Luke 24, 49, the Scripture says, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you because you're to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8 says, you may receive power. It says, no, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Morris, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, when Peter preached at Pentecost, two things were working. The absence of fear and the presence of power. And guess what? God controls those parts of your life. He's the only one that can give you fearlessness. He's the only one that can give you power. Now, the second two characteristics you control by working with God and His fearlessness and His power, and that is you have the ability to love and you have the ability to have self-control. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, you say, well, how do I know if I'm filled with power? You'll know what you are, you are to say. You know, when you go up to a person, and you'll know what to say when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 10 says, when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to say. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it's not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, Peter, Peter didn't have a homiletics course before he stood up on the day of Pentecost to preach that sermon. He knew what to say because the Holy Spirit had come on him in power. Not only will He give us the ability to know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will be working in those who hear you. Amen? When you talk to someone about Jesus, the Holy Spirit has already been preparing them. Listen to what it says in Acts 2, 
37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't you want your neighbors to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? When you're talking to them about Jesus, they're going to hear what you have to say. Timothy and Peter had their moments as well where they weren't fearless and they weren't powerful. Peter one time didn't want to be sitting with the Gentiles. You remember that? And uh, Paul excused himself and rebuked Peter. And Peter's old cowardly nature came back again. He was on display. You remember he denied Jesus. Paul also rebuked him in front of everybody. And now another illustration of that is Elijah. Elijah went on Mount Carmel and destroyed all those prophets, and then the next day was sitting under a tree wanting to kill himself. Lord, 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 running away from Queen Jezebel. Bless his heart, he wasn't walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have to be prayed up. The power of the Holy Spirit cannot be duplicated, ladies and gentlemen. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. Now, what's the third characteristic? Love, love. God is love. God has given Timothy and us the spirit of love. Now, Nelson, your pastor, did a remarkable job of preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians 13, so I'm not going to go through all those passages about what love is. But I do want to mention 1 John 4.18. The spirit of love is in this verse. You need to learn this verse, memorize this verse, walk this verse out in your actions, it's true, it's meat, it's the gospel. It'll change you, it'll heal your soul, it'll help you when you're raising your children, it'll help you get out of a performance mode in Christianity. It will literally change your heart if you'll live this verse. And let's look at it. There is no fear in love. Let's all just say this verse together. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. If you say that verse seven times a day for a month, you will literally see fear go out of your heart. Now, you can go to a prayer counselor. You can go to a marriage counselor. You can go to an Elijah House counselor. You can go to a, a Sozo counselor, which we have at our church. You can go to any type of counselor. You confess your sins one to another. But if you keep saying this over and over again, the Lord cast out this fear that's inside of me. For perfect love casts out fear. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come and give me the perfect love of God. For perfect love. It says it right there. Perfect love casts out fear. Listen, when your children are fearful, you walk up to them and say, that's not from God. Perfect love casts out fear in the name of Jesus. I tell that fear in you, son, get out. You're not going to have my children. You pray over them at night. I prayed over my children with my wife the whole time they were living in my house. Every day. They're all walking with God. Well, that wasn't an accident. We prayed every day. We pray for them every day now. And they're in their 30. Two of them are in their 30. Well, one's about to be 30. Two of them are in their 29, 32, and 23, okay? We pray. I want to be accurate. You pray over your children. I do this at the, at, the, uh, at the school. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The power of the Holy Spirit, 
the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord in you will cast out all fear. See, if you are fearful, you're not walking with Jesus. You're walking in some other spirit when you're afraid. Now, I'm not saying you go out here, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm going to walk in front of this car and this car is not going to run over me. There is some common sense. I'm talking about your boss or your spouse or your friends. You know, if you have a conflict or if you have something against another person, if you're walking in love, doesn't mean they're going to receive what you have to say. But you don't want to walk in fear. How many of y'all want to walk in fear? Do you, there's nobody in this room that wants to walk in fear. You want to walk in the perfect love of God. As light makes darkness disappear, love makes fear go far, far away. But you see, when we've been hurt, when we've been maligned, when we've been lied about, when we've been treated unfairly, the most natural thing in the world is to get even, but not to walk in love. You know, I've had elders in my life that have just raked me over the coals. I've had I've been called Beelzebub and uh, the Antichrist and a false teacher and idiot and where'd you go to school, son? You know, <laughs> all kinds of things, just maligned. You know, we we were reaching out in our community, and this this area reminds me of Bell Forest, Alabama, where we served back in 1980, if you can believe it. Just like this little church. Had about 50 people. Y'all are bigger than that. But all I knew how to do was love. So I I stayed there. One Sunday I had a temperature of 104 degrees and preached anyway. I was red hot. You know what I'm saying? By, By the way, when you talk about the flame, the gift of God, that's red hot, ladies and gentlemen. That's actually, if you look it up, it's white hot. We've got a fireman in the audience. White hot is white hot. You can't just, you know, if your child says they have a fever and you say, Mommy, Mommy, I'm hot. Well, your hand doesn't catch on fire. That's not the word there. The word is stick your hand in the fire and your hand will catch on fire. That's the spirit that lives in you. You're fired up. Are y'all all right? Y'all there? You're fired up. Because you got the spirit of power and love. In your heart. The last two. And we're coming for a landing. Aren't you glad? So you can go out and do what I've said to do. See the word. We, we need to take action of what we're, we're talking about. See. When we have right doctrinal belief. And I believe in doctrines. We don't want to teach false doctrine. But I also know. That if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. These, these four characteristics will be worked out in your life. Whatever you think of glossolalia, you know, or whatever you think about prophecy. You know, prophecy prophecy's a good thing when you're walking in power and love to walk up to somebody that you don't know and say, well, you know, God showed me something about you and He wants you to know that He loves you and uh, He died for you and, you know, he, He's got a plan for your life and the, the trouble that you're having in your life is caused by this, this, and this. And I see a picture of you when you were six years old and, Does that make any sense? And that person goes, how did you know all that? Because you're walking in power and love and a sound mind, which is the last one, which we like to ignore. This one's a hard one, this last one. Look at it. The NASB, can you go back to the verse? 
Second Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians, thank you. Second Timothy one verse seven. Go back to that verse just for a second. Can you shoot it up there? God has not given us a spirit again to fear, but of power, love, and discipline. Is it discipline in the NASB? Yes, discipline. That's one translation. Discipline is good, but that's not a the the more precise translation is self control. And we Christians battle self control. Anybody battle self control? You know how? how and, and this is a sticky subject because what what do you mean by self control? Well, <laughs> the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five twenty three says that self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the last one. It says, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law. When you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit gives you the ability to have self-control, but you have to make the decision along with the Holy Spirit to control your appetites. See, that's what self-control literally means. I was going to pronounce this. I don't know if I can, but I'm going to try. Sophronismus is the word. It means sound mind, self-discipline, sound judgment. Sound mind is good, but self-control describes your behavior. Now, if you're walking in the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit help you and I with our behavior? That's a good question, isn't it? Well... This is what it means. In today's culture, we're talking about mastering our addictive tendencies. We're talking about our passions. The word is literally temperance, the ability to master our passions and desires. All right? Passions and desires are not bad in and of themselves. We're given passions. We're given desires. But self-control gives us the ability to control those passions and desires. In kratos, self-control, that's the Greek word in this passage in in, uh, Galatians 5, says self-control, passions and desires under control. And I wrote this from a commentator. He said, in the ancient Hellenistic world, it referred to the power or lordship that one has over himself. Does that make sense? It meant superiority over every desire. What Paul was talking to Timothy about and what he's talking to the Corinthians, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. I will, be not, I will not be enslaved by anything. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. It's kind of like this. I'll give sort of a simple illustration. If you're an employee of a company, and you're a believer in Jesus, and you're chronically late every day, and you're on the clock eight hours, and out of that eight hours you work two, and you rest six, your self-control button has not been turned on. And I'm telling you, it happens. Because I've confronted some of my, my, my co-workers, some of the guys now that I'm their supervisor now, so I can talk to them a little differently than I was when I was a co-worker, That's what self-control is. You get to work on time. You know, a 
a person's not going to listen to your witness if you never show up for work. If you're out two weeks and out six weeks, that's what self-control is. Like love, it's an act of the will. You make that decision. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. You, you want to walk in all, all nine of these fruit, these fruit all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But bless, bless our hearts, it doesn't happen. We've got to cultivate the spirit of self-control. And a lot of people say that the authentication of the Holy Spirit is not how well you operate in the gifts. It's how well your character. I believe it's both character and gifts. You may have great gifts, but if your character is not, is not good, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you hard. I mean, you can read in the whole Old Testament. You can read about Samson. Samson was very gifted by God, but yet one day with Delilah, the Scripture says he was not with him. He couldn't, get, couldn't break the chains that were on his arm because the Lord had left him. So you see, self-control, and where I step on toes here, what do we have to self-control? Talking, eating, sexual passions, those types of things. Food, and here's the big one, controlling our tongue. That's some hard stuff. You know, when I was uh, a, wounded, a, a wounded Christian, I mean severely wounded, I, I used to come home and go into the kitchen and, take out that peanut butter and jelly sandwich and eat about three or four of those every day. I was so filled with anxiety. Well, that, was, that sure wasn't self-control, brothers and sisters. But when I got healed and when I began to see that, God, you give me the strength, I stopped. I still eat a little peanut butter every now and then, but I, I don't eat those sandwiches anymore. Why? Because I'm walking in some self-control. See, God gives us the ability to do it. How about, how about talking? Things come out of our mouth and we want to go, oh, I can't believe I just said that. You know what I'm saying? We've got to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our sex life. I mean, men, especially in the ministry, that's where, where many men and women have fallen. Stay away from immorality. Well, you say, well, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. It's possible. It really is possible. Now, it may not happen overnight, but it is possible. And I want to finish this up by using uh, James 3.17 on the control of the tongue, self-control. The wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. If you could just leave that right there. Does that look like a news broadcast at night? When you're watching the news, is it pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruit, unwavering, without hypocrisy? Is somebody there? Is this on? Y'all there? You don't see that on the news. You don't see people that are peaceable, gentle. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Fox News. I'm reporting for Fox News tonight. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world from the foundation of the world. He is my only begotten Son, and He desires for all the world to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Tonight on the news, we're going to show you several churches. We're going to talk about the church in Morris, Alabama, who went from 100 to 600 in the last six months because the community is being changed. They're feeding the hungry. They're clothing the naked. 
They're doing the works of Jesus. They're seeing healings and miracles and signs and wonders. The Gospel is being preached. The world of Morris, Alabama is being changed. Let's watch the news tonight. Here it is. Nelson Hanna, look at him. He's at the gas station sharing Jesus with this guy, washing his windshield. Look at this. They're reaching out to the community. You don't see this. No, you hear, well, arguing back and forth, arguing back and forth because of self-control. You remember when I preached here several uh, months ago and I talked about quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry? Most of the world is the opposite. Quick to speak, slow to listen, quick to become angry because they're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a very patient person. If he wasn't, we'd all be in a mess. He waits for us, doesn't he? Because why? We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're not walking in a fear of punishment anymore. We're sons and daughters of a living God. We're walking in love. So the Father pours out that love. And Paul told Timothy, Son, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. For those of you who, who want to be empowered, I believe he's... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.